This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer Brady Blade. Brady is one of the most in-demand session drummers in the world, and has played on several critically acclaimed albums, including records by Solomon Burke, Daniel Lenoir, Emmylou Harris, Dave Matthews, Buddy Miller, Indigo Girls, Steve Earle, and Sean Amos. He is also an accomplished producer and composer. So if you want to support what Zach and I do here on the podcast, you can join Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer, where as little as a dollar a month gets you access to all this educational content that we've been creating over the years with past guests. All these things are really helpful and usable on the gig or whatever the situation is, and we're always adding new content. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through our PayPal account. You can find that at workingdrummer.net. So this is the first time I've had a chance to meet Brady, but as I mentioned in the podcast, I've been listening to him for, for decades, since the late 90s. And when I first moved to Nashville, Emmy Lou Harris' Wrecking Ball was a big record. And then him going out on tour and playing with the Spy Boy Band. There's just a lot going on that connects him to what was going on in Nashville and continues. But it was really great to catch up with him. Uh, his joy is infectious. His work ethic is strong. He's always doing something. But I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Brady Blade. be honest the pandemic actually saved me like it was yes. like really good for me in so many ways i mean financially it sucked for everybody but as far as my family unit go which is the most important thing it um i got my family base back together and they're like oh dad's home you know and, and I, I heard my 13 year old well she was I don't know, 11 at the time just talking to somebody in swedish and I speak Swedish like shit, but um, but I can understand it. And she was saying, "Oh, everything's good here. We got our dad back, you know." And I was just like, <laughs> "I do it all." I was like, I almost cried. I was like, "What?" You know, and 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 made me feel really good. You know, it didn't solve all problems, but that part, it, yeah, it oh, I hear you. Good. It's like a country song in reverse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a happy country song. <laughs> got my dog back, got my dad back. I know. Yeah. I, you know, I figured you'd get that joke, man. You've worked with enough country artists and Nashville artists and you know some bad songs in my day. <laughs> 
Man, thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, kidding, I, couldn't, I was on the boat just thinking about it. I was all excited. I was like, wow, look, I'm going to be a working drummer's podcast. I was like, you know. I told my wife, my kids, and everybody. I've been, I've been talking about you for the whole last week. Oh, that's amazing. Well, tell me about this cruise. I mean, I, I, I see some mutual friends on on the socials, uh, you know, responding to to some of the posts and some of the things you're featured in. Is this right. the? I'm guessing this isn't the first time you've done this cruise and this this thing. Let's see. In the capacity of playing drums, it's the eighth time. In the capacity of doing. The Blade Drum and Music Extravaganza. It's the one, two, one, two, third time. Okay. Yeah. Like, so that's kind of like my own show, I guess, as it relates to, to drums. Yeah. And it developed into, I guess, first I'll talk about what I was hired to do there. Okay. I, I was like, oh, can you do a drum clinic? And I was like, that's a lot of people on there that are bluegrass fans, you know, that, that could give, they could care less about a drum clinic. You know, the, the bluegrasses don't really like the drummer so much, but, um, but some do, I guess, but, but most don't. So I had to think of um, a way to be able to get people to attend. So the very first year of it, I got a little help. Oh, I invited Amy Lou and Buddy, I invited Warren Treaty, I invited, uh, you know, people like that. This year, uh, last week, that Sean Mullins, Larry and Teresa, you know, Campbell, um, some new artists like Allison Russell, and I would demonstrate how to do drums behind an art, you know, they had a song each, and I would demonstrate how to approach it. I didn't know what they were going to play. Sometimes I had two drum sets set up, so like, it was me and Spencer Tweedy, you know, Justin Tweedy's kid, so we'd demonstrate that. I always started off with crowd, participate, crowd participation. So this year I did a Latin thing and I couldn't believe it. They got it. So the tempo was this, right? And actually, they actually did it. The whole crowd. And Rad come up from, um, he's from uh, Croatia. And he, you know, Cookie guy plays, you know, piano, chord, and everything else. And I had him come up, dun, 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 against that, that rhythm. Montuno. Yeah. And I had the crowd leading the way, you know, so they could actually. See how it felt to be in a band, and you know, and they, and they were like, they they, I, they got it. People that can't even play drums, so it's like a lot of entertainment, you know, a bit like Flip Wilson show or something. If you remember that, and um, but also with a little bit of of teaching in an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay, and then what else? And then my other title was floating artist. So <laughs> seeing folks. And the rug burns were playing and the drummer couldn't make it. Yeah. So we had a three hour rehearsal, I think the day before our show. And then we hit it, you know, hour and 45 minutes set. And then Steve was doing the Rolling Stones tribute. And I actually played drums on maybe three or four songs. And then I actually sang, I was a front man on Give Me Shelter, my front man debut in front of the audience. So I was channeling Mick Jagger and a lot of fun. My wife said I didn't suck, so that's nice. Uh, and then Sean Mother's drummer couldn't make it, couldn't travel. So I slid in that chair. We did three shows, including the variety show. And then what else did I do? What else? Oh, yeah. An artist I produced, Chastity Brown, was on the boat. We did three shows. So with the floating artist thing, I'm kind of just go wherever they need a drummer. 
and then I had my own show. So long story short, it was a very busy, busy week. And I guess for the moniker of the working drummer uh, title, you know, preparation is everything. I mean, you have to do your homework. I'm a bit slow sometimes on the homework. Luckily, I have a good memory. <laughs> I was just looking at I was just looking at my charts because I, I kind of write number charts like I did, like to do in Nashville. Yeah. What What I'll do is I'll listen to the song. I'll actually chart it out, and I'll memorize it because for me to be on a stage on a boat, and you know, if you don't take take the chart down good, it's gonna blow away. And it's kind of just cumbersome anyway, just trying to even do it. The best and easiest way I found for myself anyway is to be able to memorize the song. Yeah. But a chart, which I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Um, Especially once you're done writing the chart, you kind of know the song. Exactly. It's like that. that's the that's the thing within itself. And I literally have to take pen to paper, a pencil to paper, because, you know, if I type it out, it, it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I kind of write it, I'm like, ah, uh, oh, got it. Next, next, next. And I kind of use that same process for for any gig, whether it's the Mary Cannon Music Awards, where it's multiple artists, and you know, you get the songs in the morning of, and then that day you gotta rehearse with everybody. Yeah. And I'll write the charts out, but once again, it's another situation where you know, I got the chart this way and Don was that way. I'd rather look at Don. <laughs> sure, sure. And he'd probably rather you look at him too. Yeah. So we were doing each other. And he's so good with his charts, man. He's got all this stuff on like an iPad, you know, and he kind of like dances around. He kind of glances over the glance at the chart. Steady looking around. It's all fluid with him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, you know, so so it's Kayamo. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so, uh, I think it's King Amokai. You probably pronounce it right. I do it wrong. Know. Yeah, who knows? It was, so there's kind of Americana fest, Americana uh, cruise. There's the blues cruise, the metal cruise, different things like that. So that's right. They got multiple cruises. Kiss cruise and a company six man. They they tend to do a lot of this. And last year we did. I did one of the other cruises with my band. I'm here in New York with the Reverend Sean Emerson, the brother. It's a blues thing. So we did. Joe Bonamasso's thing on the Mediterranean. Nice. Nice. The wife liked that trip. No kids. <laughs> uh, I did. I, I did the uh, the Thompson Twin uh, cruise once. It wasn't well attended. Oh, me now. Thompson from New Zealand. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, yeah. That was a weak, weak joke. <laughs> oh, me! I used to love that man. I, I know, know. I, I was I mentioned it on a podcast uh, with a friend of mine and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, come on, man, Thompson Twins. He goes, I have never heard of this band before. I said, you've got to be. I mean, I, I was like, OK, you're an idiot. That was a global super hit. I know. I know. And this guy's a, a well-versed musician. I'm just like just gaping holes in, in his knowledge. But anyway, I, I give him shit about that, man. That's yeah, amazing. good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you mean you mean the little big town cover? Um, do you know uh do you know Jerry Pentecost? Very well. I love Jerry. I bet he was playing with Amanda Shires. Okay. So he, you remind and he's got great taste in clothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh you it, you remind me of him in that you know he's he's been doing some some of these Americana fests and he's he's kind of the resident floating around playing drums with all these different people and you know, uh, he's with um, Old Crow Medicine Show now. 
Oh, uh, really? Oh, that's a good gig for him. Yes. Yeah. The first time they've ever had a, a, a regular drummer and a good dude and just kind of trying to be all things to, to people jumping in, filling in here and there. And so kind of, kind of doing that, uh, that MO that you're, you're talking about. No, sure. I find it really fascinating. And you talk about preparation, but at the same time, I, I hear that there's gigs on this that you just can't be prepared for. You have to go back into your experience to pull from, to be able to sit in and improvise and, you know, use big ears. You don't have this, you know, the luxury of charting and rehearsing and stuff like that. I'm sure there was a, a, a decent amount of that as well. A lot of it. And, you know, for me, it's about following the singer always, no matter what, whatever the chart says, not anything else that dictates everything. Um, Cause usually most of the music that I do play does have a voice attached to it. You know? Yeah. Unlike my brother. So with that in mind, you know, and it's a lot of people that taught me um, a, a lot about drums. More, really, one of my best teachers has been Buddy Miller. He taught me less is more. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I'm doing some kind of groove, uh, you know, you keep it steady and, and constant, but like maybe on all the verses, maybe it's no kick. You know, maybe it's one here and there or something like that. And then when you do get to the, the bridge and the chorus, you know, you drive it a bit and then you drop it back down. And really, I have to say, he taught me how to create a better dynamic within music itself, whatever style it is, but for Americana and country and stuff. Um, and it comes to single songwriters. I'm a bit bombastic. I'm a bit loud, I have to admit. But, you know, that's sometimes you got to bring it. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, sometimes when you're hitting like too light, it's like kind of a limp handshake, you know. It's like, yeah. It, no, nobody wants that. You're going to do it, do it firm, just go with it, but still you know, dynamically play to the room. Right. So, yeah, it's a fine balance. And I guess, I guess it does take time. I have, have seen a lot of young drummers lately that, been very inspiring because they they seem to be um well advanced with what they what how they approach things and that just makes me so happy to see that yes you know they do the homework and i hang out like in the drum shops and stuff when i'm home stockholm hillstone and slack record you know and just talk with some of the guys find out who's doing what play drums in the store i love doing that you know when i can um that's that's my happy place. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're in New York right now. Yeah. And you have a do you have a rehearsal today or something you're preparing for? Yeah, we're doing a gig tomorrow night. I think the only thing the band's doing, because it is President's Day, I think we're going to a dinner tonight. So I hadn't even seen anybody. We're all fooling from everywhere. Chris from Paris. I think the real and the doc came in from LA. They got in last night. I was already in bed. So I'll see them tonight at dinner and we'll catch up. And tomorrow we're playing the bitter end yeah. and the lead singer of my band has a you know, Mardi Gras party here in New York. So I think it's sold out already, which is nice. And it's see some friends, play some music, eat some food. Yes. And uh, I made a boo-boo. So I, I thought I was, I thought the gig was on a Wednesday. So my guy booked my travel to leave on Thursday night at like, you know, close to midnight to go back to Europe. So I got an extra day in New York, which is fine. Sure. Um, I just reminded me I got to extend the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you might hear a knock at the door here during this conversation. <laughs> oh, I've been done out of new hotels. Check out time, Mr. Blake. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, if you're in Las Vegas, they just walk right in, you know. Oh man, yeah, because yeah, I also get the I don't even like the door. I don't know, put the sign out, you know, you know, so because I'm, I'm I'm usually in the room a lot. I don't kind of go around so much, and um, I make my own bed. So they kind of, the maids all like me. They kind of tidy up the room myself when they get it. Wow. Get some fresh towels, dump the trash, about it. But you know, it's like I think it's good to be settled. Um, and 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 the older I get, I'm, I'm starting to find that helps me out with my drumming as well. Um, of being settled because I mean, with ADHD, you tend to kind of run around like a freaking you know rat in a, in a in a cage kind of thing. But now, when I am settled, I'll sit and you know and I'll pull out a pair of sticks. Yeah. And the drum set is, is my bed. And then I'll just, da, 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 just, just, to, just for fun. Because I really enjoy playing playing drums that much. And um, I look forward to playing every time I get to do it. And and I've been with a new company called ENF now for like the last two years, or three years. Right. And they've been so good to me. Um, the drums help, it helped me accomplish what I need to accomplish. It, like the way I play is sonically helped me speak. And I've had some, you know, this was with DW, they were great, you know, and I was with Apex before that for a lot of years. They were great too. But something about NF just just knocked my socks off. So I think if you can look at the American kind of Music Awards, I think I used a 24 inch this year and uh <laughs> less the sound man. You know, because I don't like putting padding and anything in, in the drums. I think the drums should be the drums. You know, so when you hit them, then you know. So they have the. He he looked at that kick drum. He was just looking at me like. <laughs> <laughs> Did he change his mind over time? Well, yeah, no, because they like kind of cut a hole in the head. I'm like, I'd rather you not, you know. But once he put the mic on, and he went back up to the board, and I hit it, he was like, "Oh, okay." Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you go work with me because they're so used to that, you know, that they're away. I'm like, the tone of the drum is good. I won't hit loud, but, you know, the tone should be be there. You know, so I'm like that for live, studio, whatever. I mean, it's all, you know that. I mean, you know, you got to have your toolkit together. Everything tuned, everything sounding good. You sound your best. No matter what's what. The, what's, what was the depth of the 24? Do you remember? You know what? That's a good question because they loaned me that kit. It was a brand new Teak kit they had just released. So that's a good question. I'm going to send you a picture when we get Actually, maybe I can do that. Well, I mean, got you. They're such beautiful drums. And, you know, we're, we're not a gear-centric uh, podcast, but right. I'll tell you, this whole thing with some of the artists we've been speaking with that play ANF, it's just really hard not to slip into talking about yeah. these drums because I... I they're kind of shaking things up with their design, their their tone, the 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 look, the the people that they're attracting to their instrument. I find it really fascinating. Um, you know, I'd love to get my hands on some, but it's 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 just really amazing. And and these are the tools, man. And and how do you find yourself playing different when you play these drums? Without a doubt, one hundred percent. Yeah, and. Uh... And so that's, so I guess, cause I'm not too much of a gearhead either. I just kind of know what I like and what I don't like. And, and, and this, these, these drums complete me as far as, what I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, cause it's kind of hard. It's kind of crazy when you walk into a session because they'll like, I had to do a session in New York 
The drums were in the box. I pulled the drums out of the box. I set them on the floor, and they put some mics around them. And I start playing, and, the, and, and, and then the engineer comes out. What is this that comes out of the box that sounds this good? I didn't even tune them. You know, they just <laughs> sounded great out of the box. I mean, it's kind of hard to hard to beat. And um, so it does help you complete your your, your job as a player because, um, you know, you got the tools that you need to, to do your job, and it makes you sound good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it is, there's that aspect of it. I've also had interviews and conversations with drummers that talk about bad gear, bad backline, uh, you know, an awful mix. And what makes you professional is being able to work within that, work with that and overcome it. There's a band I worked with a couple of years ago, and we did a lot of cruise ships as guest entertainers. And so we jump on play the you know a couple 45 minute sets in the theater and you never know what the gear was going to be like could be a new ship with a brand new set of drums and you know crash cymbals that were bigger than 16 you know beautiful whatever and then sometimes it was an old ship with you know 1988 yeah. was... <laughs> salt water rusted yeah yeah i'll be real yeah yeah <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be able to deal with this and and make it work because the audience doesn't care. The band members don't even care. They're like, come on, no. let's go, let's go. Let's just go. And pretty, you know, having said that, as long as my kick and my snare is rocking, that's kind of really all I need. Sure. You know, the tones sure. are optional, maybe they work, but that's that's kind of the that's the work right there. As long as if I got those two things, yeah, do the job. Even with bad brass, I mean, because I don't take my cymbals everywhere with me because I've had too many mishaps traveling. So I'm just like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'll use whatever they got. And sometimes <laughs> it's like, it looked like a Sears catalog at one joint. I was just like, you know what? We can make them work. And I think I found some freaking like some kind of change or something and, you know, hung them around one because on the hi hat. So it got some kind of action and a tambo. You use what you got. Right. You know, and it's like um, that part, you're right. You have to remain professional no matter what the situation may be. That's that's a very good motto. Yes. I find it interesting that um, I went back to Columbus, Ohio, where I'm originally from. And I and the, I love that. That place called a blue note. Oh, does it have a blue note in Columbus? Yeah, you guys got a blue in Columbus, Ohio. It's a beautiful oh. little town. I love Columbus. Man. I, oh, wait I, a minute. No, no, I'm wrong. That's Columbus, Missouri. Columbus, Okay. It, it, that's well, I mean, there's a good jazz scene in Columbus, Ohio. I'm, you know, I moved here in Nashville in 2000, but I went back there right after I moved to Nashville and I was hanging out at the at Columbus Pro Percussion with Jim Rupp, who's an amazing jazz drummer. We were talking about backline and he said, you always get what you want. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, what do you need? You need a 22, a 12, 16, 13, 16. Like, well, yeah, I guess. He goes, when I go do my gigs and I need backline, I want an 18-inch kick drum. I want a Gretsch kit. I want an Obon Cooley. I want these cymbals. Because he's doing it. He goes, I never get what I want. And I thought, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You're thinking you're very specific about your tones your cymbals and things like that for these bebop gigs, for these maybe sometimes big band gigs. But for me, doing pop gigs, rock gigs, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, I find that fascinating. Like that kind of like I, I realized that man, there's a big difference with that that tone situation. It's huge, and that you know, my brother, you know, he doesn't mind taking like freaking I don't know how many pieces like he's got. He's got 
two, I think two suitcases for his clothes. And then he's got his whole drum set. He likes taking his stuff with him. And the jazzers, you know, I get it. It's a very specific thing because, I mean, if you run into a, a kid that's not giving you nothing, that's a liability. Yeah. So my kid, I mean, the kid just loves his poor drum set everywhere. I don't know how much he spends on, like, over, what do you call it, cartage and all that. It's insane. I I I prefer not to do that. I'm a carry-on kind of guy. I don't even check anything. Not anymore. Yeah. I used to. I got over it. So I'm kind of, I'll fall into that that situation of, wow, you know, 1988 jam with a little rust on it quite often. But you know what? I make it work. Because it's, it's once again, it's like, you know, as long as you can tune the stupid things, yeah, all that matters. It's all yeah. about tuning. And then hit right. the hell out of them. <laughs> Well, just uh, just thinking about about your brother's travel and just uh, kind of remind me of that of that conversation with Jim. But let me ask you about um, Sweden. Yeah, that's amazing. I did not know that you lived there until we until we started corresponding. Sure, I'm. I can guess why you're there, but could you tell us why you're there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was. Um, and, and that one was a guy. My guy. I was on tour with that, that pop singer Jewel and. Uh, the guys in the band, I had been to Stockholm before, so the guys in the band were like, come on, you got to come out with this. It was a blizzard. Dude, I didn't want to go anywhere. Plus, you know, they had a they had a big night the night before in Italy, so I kind of needed to, you know, recuperate. The music director called uh, uh, Steve George, the guy who wrote, take these broken wings. You know, he was, he was the boss. I'm like, I'll be right down. What do you guys want to do? We want to go to an Irish bar. We'll go to an Irish bar. Guitar players got drunk. They went home. And then the uh, music director said, hey, you want to get a nightcap? I'm like, sure, why not? I think the spot, you know, down the street's open. So we'll get out in the blizzard, you know, trudge down the street, walked in, got a couple of drinks. I was turning around and bumped into this girl. Now, precursor to this, I'd been single for four years and, and technically homeless. I didn't have a home. I broke up with my girl like four years prior to that. And I just didn't get another place because I was on tour all the time. It seemed like a waste of money. And it was. Um, if you, uh, you know, if I didn't own the place, I didn't want to rent it. So I live in hotels, friends' houses, couches, parks. I didn't care. I had one green duffel bag. That was it. That's all I needed. That's all I wanted. Was not looking for a girlfriend. And what happens? <laughs> Look at her and, and, and everything, the sparks start flying everywhere. And, you know, we, we end up talking, spending the night together talking and uh and the next day i left and you know i, I kept missing her and I'll, I'll make the story short but she comes to new york and uh and then i felt bad because we get to new york you know i get to i get to new york like a little later and uh i'm like oh my god we're only here for 24 uh 48 hours they changed the plans we got to go to la and you know i feel bad you flew all this way i'll buy you a ticket to la if you want to come she's like i have my own money i'll, I'll meet you there now, you got to understand, we were hanging out the night before we were flying. So she didn't get any details about where we were staying. I didn't have a cell phone. I go to L.A. with the van, like on the red hour, so early in the red hour, whatever. And she comes in. And now I, know we were, I knew we were supposed to get be together because this was it. She's sitting in the airport wondering what she's going to do. She's like, well, I'm in L.A. for you know, a couple of days. I can just hang out and then go home. I don't know where this guy is. He sees Jewel walking in the airport uh, with her, her model cowboy boyfriend at the time. 
And and then she, you know, and then she saw Celine. She's like, "Oh, hey, Celine, what, you know." She's like, uh, "You know what? Take my limo because I'm gonna ride. Uh, I'm gonna ride the truck with my boyfriend." So she got not only did you know, we're all with the hell. She found a way to make it work, and and then we spent you know been together for 24 years now. That's why I'm in Sweden. I didn't know a soul there. I was homeless. <laughs> uh, you know, living with somebody at the time. And uh, so I guess I, yeah, after about two and a half years, I bought um, no, after about a year, because uh, uh, I had some money saved up. And she said, you know, it's kind of wasteful to spend all that money on hotels all the time. I'm like, well, I usually keep moving, but, you know, if I hang out a bit, maybe I should buy something. So I bought an apartment in Stockholm. And that started it off. And that's been the best city ever to raise children. Um, it's been, uh, we live on the, an archipelago on the Baltic Sea. So the kids are one with the ocean. They're one with nature. It's not easy living in the wintertime. It's like ice everywhere. And, right. But I love the cold. I like uh, a challenge. And on average, from just walking, you get in 17,000 steps a day just living your life. Because you got to walk the dogs, got to feed the rabbits. You gotta walk to the boat, you gotta walk everywhere. So yeah. it actually has been um a very, very beautiful, wonderful thing to 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 live in that country. And I have you know resident permanent residency and same like things like that. The kids have dual citizenship. Yeah. Uh, as a working musician, it's great. I do gigs all the time. I just got a text while I've been on the phone with you about I do voiceover sometimes too for like you know, video games or commercials. You know, you got, I'm trying to make my voice sound like yours. Your voice sounds great. You got that, like, TV thing. So, like, well, I hope, you know, yeah. Well, I need more voiceover work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, you sound like a cool Dan Rather. It's a lot Dan Rather. But, yeah. But, but, man, it's been, it's been great. It's a lot of great players. The cool thing about it, most of my friends that tour, they all come through there, you know, at some point or another. So, I'll see all kind of cats. Um, I'm involved with the Equity Partnership um, and a festival in Norway now in Oslo, so that's um, that's going well. Other things are expanding, but it's it's just a wonderful place to live. And but more importantly, I, I think I, I, I look at my kids to make sure they're okay before I'm okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's everything. Yeah, I was going to ask you kind of about the scene. You're in Helsinki. Is there a regular scene there? Oh, in Stockholm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Sorry, Stockholm. Like, Sorry. I, I mean, basically, my brother's going to be there in a couple of months playing at Fashion, you know. It's been a, a great jazz club forever. I mean, it's been there since the 60s, or maybe longer than that. But, um, you know, Miles Davis played there, for Christ's sake. All the, all the cats played, played uh, at Fashion, and, and it's still opening and operating as a jazz club. Um, and they have other venues that are medium-sized, and then the stadium thing, you know, of course, that's rocking. So... You know, you can go see Ramstein at, at, you know, the freaking football stadium right in town. Or you can go to a jazz club and see, you know, you know somebody else play, you know, a day waffle or something. It's, it's just, so it's very diverse with that. It's got a really good rock scene as well, uh, especially the death metal, speed metal stuff that comes out of, like, like Norway. You yeah. know, I, I tend to like all kinds of music. So I might be at a punk rock show one night and I might be at the symphony the next. Yeah. Um, there's great studios there. Like Benny Anderson from Abba owns a great place. I use a private place out in Solentuna, and this guy 
every microphone you could possibly want when I need to do recording. Um, beautiful room. It's also, uh, the owner of it's also a barista. So he uh, makes coffee upstairs. Oh. So, dude, I got, I mean, you know, have a, have a great, unbelievable cup of coffee. You're going to ask you to do a little work. Could <laughs> you lay it back a little bit on the, on the groove? It's just, it's feeling way on top. Sorry, man. <laughs> Two cups of espresso. <laughs> Exactly. I usually have one cup because I'm gonna drink like two or three. I'm jacked up. I'm gone off to the races. So that's that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> but so you, you should come and visit, man, and, and check it out. I, I it sounds amazing. I mean, I I don't know. I I've, I've done some tours of Canada, and I'm just such a fan. I'm a fan of the cold. I'm a fan of just the laid backness. And and I don't know if there's any parallels. It once you get to a certain. Uh, parallel if you will that you know a geographic line yeah i mean you know actually crazy funny enough one of the closest places i've ever been was regina canada i yes. think it was minus 43 yep and i got off the bus and i dressed kind of the same all year round i'm not got kind of thick skin but i walked in and i was and i threw myself in the hotel and i asked the lady world's story she's like oh it's only about maybe half a mile down the, down the road i'm like oh, okay she was looking at me funny. I don't know why. Hey, Jack, and I'll, you know, walk out. And literally, I think I walked maybe 25 feet and I felt my skin freezing. My, my, the, the, the water on my eyeballs freezing. Yeah. I turned around and I kind of went back in and, and, and the lady just looked at me smiling. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a bit more on than that. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It make your lungs hurt. That's what know. happened. Dude, within a few feet. And I was like, oh, man. So, and, you know, I thought I was a tough guy, but no, not that tough. And uh, I, I kind of just didn't go to the store because I didn't have the clothing for it, to be quite honest. I just called it a night. <laughs> Ate it. <in. laughs> Minus 43. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned to you that uh, last night I saw Amy Ray. Took my wife. That's my girl. On a surprise, a uh, little surprise date, surprise uh, outage here for us. And um, saw my buddy Jim Brock playing drums with her. I'm not sure if you're, if you know Jim. I know of him. Okay. He lives in Atlanta, right? Uh, he is in North Carolina, I believe. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah I think I saw him in, in, uh, in Atlanta before. That's what I saw him before. And I'm touring with them this summer. Yeah. So uh, I, I became but, more familiar with your playing with with some of those, uh, you know, the records from like 99, we got 2002, 2004. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those um, are good times. I, I mean, gosh, I've been listening to them since, well, gosh, since the beginning, you know, uh, for such a long time. And they do such a great job. And, 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 are always attracting to such wonderful musicians and producers and, and different things like that. So Amy's show was, was I, I'm not super familiar with her solo work, but you didn't have to be such great, no. strong melodies, uh, great musicians on stage. And it, it was just, it was really great. So I'm curious to know about the tour, about your preparation, about how they prepare Kind of what's involved with that? What's going on with that? 
they're, they're really meticulous with their set list, which I really love. They're very, you know, they're on a tight operation. Okay. And Amy and Emily, for the better part, both really want the same objective to be, they have the show best as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. So for preparation for the tour, we're going to rehearse, I think, three good, long, solid days in Atlanta before we start in June, which I, I love because it's just like a record. You know, the more pre-production time you put into something, the better the results that you're going to get in the studio or for tour. You, you, sure. you make your blueprint. So luckily, they're going to do that. And then uh, I, you know, I wish I'm already wish the tour was longer. It's going to be until like mid-July or something, but I just can't wait to get on the road. And as far as the preparation for the gear, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of still a lot of Jerry Murata parts, to be honest. So that involves some more toms and what my usual four-piece setup is. So I have to figure out uh, what's going to be the best setup for me. So funny you should ask that. I'm actually was making some notes last night about what kind of setup will I go for. Yeah. So A&L is going to provide me a kit for the tool, which is nice. So I just have to be specific about what I want. Um, and I also use a, I use a sample in that as well, like an MPC, because they've got some other things to trigger. So that's always fun. And then I have to incorporate a djembe. So it's actually the biggest kid I've ever played is with the Indigo Girls. Because usually I play, play like tiny, you know, they mm-hmm. are full tone, but that doesn't work with, with their songs. You got to have some, got to have a musicality with the tubs. I need at least, I need at least four tubs. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun, fun setup. Actually, it's to the point where I might go to Texas and hang out with at AL and see what I can put together, you know, the factory. And, you right. know, maybe I'll go there next month. So you're making me think I like you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why my kids don't like me. I make them think. No, you're <laughs> the case. I can tell how you got your house laid out. You were organized as it gets. No, okay. no, 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 no. This is just the narrow screenshot that you're seeing. <laughs> it's the only part of my house that's clean. <laughs> it's clean. Yeah, because I'm in a hotel room. I have nothing. You know, I got one yeah. little suit put in the closet. And, uh, but the girls, man, they, I, I, you know, I have no idea what we're going to play. Uh, it'll probably be a combination of, of older records, obviously. And then we're doing like the Wolf Trap, places like that, you know, so some amphitheaters here and there. And I, I just love doing with it. They just know how to do it. And they are always on the ball. They get on stage just like, God! Well, that's the thing, man. I mean, uh, I, uh, Amy really was the tip of the spear when it came to all, I mean, there oh. were at some point nine people on stage, but she commanded it with such joy that was infectious. And I'm like, I, I, I remember seeing them in the 90s, but I was like, you are, you are, you are the, just from the old school tradition of just, I'm here to perform and putting everything, my heart and soul into maybe a song I've been doing for over 20 years, but it's still, I'm performing it like it's the first time. Every, that's her. It, it, that's what sums up right there. Locks it in every time, man. And it's just like so great to see. I love playing by her. She, you know, she, she got those boots on. She just that, get that stuff going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and she plays mandolin like the best ever. <laughs> you know. Right, right. No, so, just watching her hands and and just her time feel and her 
command of of acoustic guitar and just like damn that's that's i'm really just it was such a joy i'm so glad we went you know i've I've used the stones a lot as a comparison of things so you know Mm -hmm. and she's she's keith and i'm charlie (laughs) 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 and man because she's holding it down she's like rhythm down it's like you know it's solid it's right there that's amazing and 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 are you guys well? I guess you don't know. Maybe you don't know the set list yet. I'm just curious to know if you will play any of the music that uh, from the records that you. I'm guessing you will probably play some of the stuff that you played on. And 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 if you do, how close do you stick with your own parts? I find that fascinating. That we learn songs, and some of us learn note for note. I'm kind of obsessed with that. Some of us and do an interpretation. But we've all done gigs where maybe we've tracked something for an artist or whatever, and then you go play it live and you're going back and you're like writing a chart for a song that you were the drummer for, but maybe it was a couple of years ago or you know, it was the 45 minutes of your life where you actually learned the song and tracked it. And then you're listening to it and you're, I find myself like writing charts of my own stuff. I'm like, what am I doing? This is- I would have to because my memory is not that great when it comes to that song. And, and some of those- Parts are very specific, especially yeah. the, the records that Peter Collins produced. They had very, and that's the thing about the girls. Those parts are those parts. Interesting. They don't okay. like any deviation from it, you know, it's supposed to do this here. And they'll let you, you know, have some interpretation. Yeah, that's fine and dandy, but the structure of the song, it has to be intact. So I'm actually going to have to go back and do some homework. Yeah. Right. Especially, you know, the songs like I got to map out. Uh, okay, what uh, you know? Oh, it's a jumpy on this one. Oh, it's a sample here in the second verse. So let's uh, you know, by the very top of the song, you know, like, a lot of different things are moving around. Right. So, right. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm glad you said that because I need to. Uh, I'm gonna probably email Amy today and ask her that they have a rough idea of you know what's that. Well, she's on tour, so maybe not her. I'll get Emily. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know what I found? You're making me get my shit together. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> my taskmaster. Uh, I, you know, it's because some of the grooves you had on there, they're very Latin, seem like Latin influence in some of the stuff, the kind of a soca thing and some of these yeah. other groups that was, I had, hadn't heard up to that point, you know? And uh, Peter really was was kind of cool and let me have some free reign on stuff. He also has some great suggestions, like, because uh, he's very British. He's like, Brady, I need a flying brick here. You know what a flying brick is? No. One of a crazy feel. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> flying brick. I love it. I'm not the best flying brick guy, but, you know, I try to give him what I could. Uh, you know, and he was very, very great with that. And that, I really love the years that I got to work with him with the girls. And uh, Claire Kenny's coming back. Who's an unbelievable bass player? She, uh, I think, one of her most famous songs. She's the bass on uh, "I Never Met a Girl Like This Before." Okay. And she comes from a reggae background, you know, out of England. So she's got this whole different kind of feel. She's got meat and potatoes, but she's got the, you know, nice melodic touch to it. That's gonna be fun being back with the girls, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Very excited about it. I'm going to keep an eye out for him because, you know. Oh, please do. You got to come to the show. Uh, 
We, I mean, I, I'm excited to see Amy again, and and but but to see them together again would be amazing, especially with you, man. It would be amazing. They, they, they won the American Music Awards. They won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was so proud of them. And uh, so you know, we got we got to play with them with that band. So Don was and uh, Buddy and everything. And and then the band kind of let me lead the way on that one since I played with the girls before we did Galileo. So it was kind of. Yeah, so, so, and but he's like, wait, you take this one, okay? You know, what about what to do? <laughs> no problem, buddy. Yeah, it felt kind of nice. Uh, it was a good, good thing. But I realized then because I was playing my my my, my kit, and I was like, oh, I need more toms. You know, <laughs> yeah, I only had two. I made it work, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, Marat. Yeah, he was one of my favorite drummers ever. And you know, that when I had to when I first got that gig and I had to learn all his parts, I was like, you know, looking at my drums and I'm like, oh no, I have to I have to get a bigger kit. <laughs> like, what is this, Peter Gabriel all of a sudden? Gary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. So I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about Jerry is that you know he comes from well, not originally, but you know, his time with Peter Gabriel. Yep. Moving into the world of, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, singer songwriter, yep. it, it was it, it was very inspirational to me at the beginning to move to Nashville to work with singer songwriters and kind of shift my thinking in trying to uh, not I hate to use the word accommodate, but you know, ac- accommodate this more sensitive approach to drumming that that allows the song to come through first this the singer to come through first yeah it's such a beautiful job marrying amazing drums with the singer songwriter thing i have to agree 100 100 nashville being in nashville actually set the whole pace of everything and i have to say even before buddy you know teaching me things it was emmy you know because emmy's like a hell of a rhythm guitar player Mm-hmm. And and she locks it in. She knows exactly what she wants. And if you follow her, you're, all, you're always in good shape because she's got the most dynamic of any singer I've ever worked with in my life. Interesting. You know, that, 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 that quiet, but yet strong and very, oh very precise delivery of a song. And, I, and so really, she was my first teacher, more so than Buddy. Can you tell me, we're talking about Emmylou Harris and Buddy Miller. Uh, and can you tell me about anything that you can recall them advising you on or uh, asking you to do or things like that, that, uh, that you still utilize to this day? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I I would have to say being delicate, still keep your groove on, you know, they they want that groove there. They want the pulse there, Mm -hmm. but to do it in a way where Maybe I use mallets where in other times I'd be using hot rods or sticks even. Mm-hmm. So I use mallets more so now than any time before. And my hands. I learned to play with my hands with her. Like some songs I could, you know. Right. And and uh, with, and with you know, you got a decent, you know, microphone and a thing and a halfway competent engineer up front, it comes through. So you got you even get more tone out of drums with your hands than you do with any kind of stick or anything else. I've noticed. And once again, it goes back to that tuning situation. So 
And even though I only had two and a djembe, I always had my, my kick drum tuned to a certain, certain note. And my floor tone, turn, you know, turned to a certain note. And I tend to like 16s or 18s as it got more, you know. Mm-hmm. So I learned that from them greatly that I still utilize all the time. I just did it on the boat last week. Okay. I had to play this one song with Sean Mullins and uh, it's my hands. Yeah. You know, and uh, a song called Ferguson, I think, in the beginning of it. And and it's funny enough you mentioned that because every time I, I do that, I think about Emmy, you know, and I think about my time, my nine years with her, you know, which I thought was just going to be a weekend. And she changed my whole life. Yeah. Changed my whole aspect and my outlook on drumming. I love I'm that. Scared. And she believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself because, you know, when I got the uh, gig with her, I didn't have a drum set. I had to borrow one from my brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Larry Mullins and, and Brian Blade did, did, um, uh, working ball. So, you know, when you call me, I, 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 was, I was like, you, you know, why are you calling me? And I had forgotten. I used to be a manager uh, in England. I had a band called the Brand New Heavies. Anyway, long story short, we'll get to LA. Had a gig in San Diego. I told the boys, don't go to Mexico because the visas only cover in one entry into America and out back to Europe. What do they do? They go to Mexico. Of course, they get stuck. The gig was the next day. So I had to, I had the singer. So I had to literally put a band together in 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. I got Mike Voito from the Great, Great Wall Stars. I've got uh, a Reef Marshall from the, at that time, it was kind of with the Chili Peppers. Okay. Good stuff with. His brother, Lonnie, on bass. I got Xander Schloss from the Circle Jerks. Daniel Lamar, the producer, was kind of hanging in. I saw him. I'm like, I called him. Want to go to San Diego for <laughs> no rehearsal? And they all showed up, and we came. But Daniel Lenoir saw me on drums that night because I had to. So I had to play drums. Yeah, and he didn't know I played drums, so that's how I got the Andrew Harris. And what what year was this? Ninety eight. Oh my God! No, that must have been. Uh, like, no, no, before that, that must have been ninety. Amy called me in ninety five, so I must have been. That must have been ninety three. Oh wow! Okay, I was they kind of way, kind of way early on. They they started, well, and it was fun. They did good. Uh, the show went good. A, a young Snoop Dogg saying, "What does it everything?" It was crazy. It was a great show, but I never thought something would come out of that for me playing drums. Sure enough, and then the, the, the call I get is from Amy Lou Harris. It was a shocker and a life changer. I mean, because I was on the way back to graduate school. That's what I was going to ask you kind of, well, a couple of things. I mean, that, that kind of reinforces this point that comes up often on the podcast is, you know, you never know who's watching you, whatever you're doing. And that one gig turns into something. There's multiple stories that we've had with people that it's like, well, I was just sitting in, I was, it was a last minute sub. I didn't want to do it. I just said, Oh, go ahead and do it. And I met this bass player and it turned into, he was the band leader for blah, blah, blah. And you know that. So you know, treating every gig like it's so important. I mean, this is a different example, but I mean, there's so many examples of, you know, doing something that may not seem important to you at the time to turn into something that is life-changing. I mean, absolutely life-changing. And, and I, Amy, Amy Ray is a very good influence, but, and so is Amy. You got to play each gig like it's the last one, because otherwise... You know, you, you don't know what tomorrow is going. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. Also, you don't know who's listening to you. 
Yes. And I think it's important to play the same show where there's two people in the audience or 20,000. Everybody gets the same show. Yeah. Maybe one person. If one, if they showed up and paid to get in, I think as a drummer, you're obligated to give you 100% best. I love that. I love that. And we plus, the- I just love to play. So I'll, if it's an empty house, I'm playing the same show for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, during the pandemic, you know, oh, I had the best concerts ever. It was just me and a I, and everybody all happy. I'm like, what are you so happy about? I just played a show. It's like nobody was there. I was there. You know, yeah. my people looking at me like I was saying, back it up. <laughs> <laughs> do you have space at home to to do you have like a rehearsal room or anything? Yeah, I mean I've got uh, you know, like the, my 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 son has a set of little ones that are set up downstairs. And that's the that's the uh, we call it the stress kit. So you know, you have a you know, got some issues, they just want to play. You know, for a little while. Nice. Oh, good. I got no neighbors to complain. Well, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law next door, but, you know, Swedish houses tend to be pretty uh, naturally soundproof because of triple pane windows and, uh, you know, because it's a winterized. Everybody's house is winterized. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But it's soundproof. You play all night. <laughs> Even more reason to move there. Uh, let me ask you about, the time right before working with Emmy that leading up, you're talking about no drums going back to school. Oh yeah. You know, that, that time between kind of college and, you know, like, were you taking a break? Were you, were you not interested in drums? What, what was your, where was your head at with all that stuff? It was funny because I, I finished when I finished um, high school, I went straight to college. I think it was 16 or 17. And then I was studying and, and I, I worked a lot. I worked like, cause I was playing all the way up until I went kind of stopped because I was working like two or three jobs to pay for college and mm-hmm. else apartment. Well, when I graduated college, I got a with the federal government. Housing and urban development. So it was a federal job. And then I kind of started playing a little bit. Uh, but then I, I didn't like the job and all of that. So I had a platform position at Island Records. So that was a game changer. So now you want to move to Los Angeles. And I was an assistant A&R to Kim Bowie. And, you know, Chris Blackwell was our, our big boss and everything. who was one of the best A&R men on the planet. I actually got to play some more. You know, besides my job, I got to play on the Eddie James record. You know, I, don't know how I got on that, but, you know, that worked out. But I learned a lot about the business, the music business. Like I was there when uh, Island Records could not afford to pay you to the royalties because the sales were so that big and they gave them 10% of the company. And then Island sold a polygram for $330 million. Wow. So, you know, so I was paying attention to like more business stuff. And then I moved to England and started my management company. And that went until 95. Okay. And so that, and then I was going back to graduate school. I did a master's in economics and I wanted a PhD to become a teacher. So Amy Lou Harris changed all of that. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the drums go, I mean, technically, I, I didn't really play until I got the gig with, uh, you know, Emmy. Emmy called me and that, that, that literally changed my life. Yeah. I wouldn't have met my wife. I, I wouldn't have got any of the gigs I, I, I got. I wouldn't have got Steve Rule, Jewel, Indigo Girls, none of them. He's responsible for my whole career. That's amazing. And I still talk to her, like, you know, we, we talk every couple of weeks at least. 
and I text her, oh, Miss, you're going to, how are you checking out on you and the dogs? Friend for life. And she, you know, she comes to Stockholm. I'm not in town. She, you know, she'll take, she'll invite Celine and the kids over for dinner at her hotel. You know, she's like a true, true sweetheart of a woman. That's what I love that. I love that. Any, any thoughts about going back into the business side or going back to school? Oh, yes, you mentioned that. I, I, I wish it was a reality that I could go back to school, but I'm finding that my time is limited and my, Having an eight-year-old, my youngest, I still got a lot of stuff to do. I started a new company in England called Drum Chunk, which is going to be an entertainment portal. Matter of fact, I want you on it. Oh. And we're developing the, the programming now. So we'll be doing short interviews. We'll be doing uh, like um, all kind of stuff actually centered around drums, but in a more fun kind of way, I think. Yeah. And I've already talked to a few people like Tommy Manuel. You know, he was a drummer before a guitar player. You know, oh, wow. okay. So just, just oddball things like that. Nothing long, long dated, and we don't have the whole plan mapped out yet. But I'm looking forward to just doing stuff because anything I get to do with drums, that's in my happy place. So if I'm working with a situation like this, like talking to you, or doing anything with drums, yeah, and you, you can make it work. Hey, yeah, wonderful. It but that's what like, my focus is going to be. Yeah. I mean, you, you always, it seems like you, you, you can never sit still. There's always something new coming up or just got to stay busy. And I think it keeps, it keeps you alive and young. Cause when you start sitting in your ass too much and kind of thinking too much and getting in your own way, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> kind of one of the reasons why we started the podcast. I mean, uh, I was just, I was restless and, you know, and, and there's technology as with all its ills still allows the opportunity to, you know, do whatever your mind can imagine, whether it's, yeah. and I, and you're seeing this more and more, you mentioned earlier about you uh, seeing young players and being inspired by them because we have access to them, you know, you. <laughs> I, uh, we had access to them. Exactly. I, I think what I do, I do know, I'm trying to unlearn everything I've learned as far as technology goes and things like that. I'm trying to actually go back to being a five-year-old. Drumming, I want to obviously keep that knowledge and experience. Right. But as far as how to navigate, I mean, these kids, I mean, I'm amazed by what my eight-year-old can do. I mean, he can hack anything almost, you know, at eight. Right. He knows how to work everything because he grew up with technology. He was born into it. He can do anything. and. Being an old fart, um, it's like I think I try. I think of different old techniques, and that's not really applicable to now. Does that make any sense? It does, but could you cite an example of something that maybe doesn't work today? Maybe in that did say twenty years ago, which to me doesn't seem that long ago. Uh, exactly. I think when musicians are looking at. Music and writing compromised. And mainly I say that because of companies like whatever, you know, my neighbor, Spotify, the guy who holds the wheels down the next island over. They're just business guys, and they, they just created something that basically fucked all of us, just to be honest about it. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you go to them, you go talk to them, and they have no, no qualm about them. No, my grandma would say, see a fool bump his head. They had an idea. 
and they made it work. Did it benefit musicians? Not one fucking bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'm gonna put put that on the record. Mm-hmm. So, guys, building a house as big as the hotel I'm living in right now. Can't play a note. Yeah, crazy. So, when it comes to that, I think we as musicians have to be smarter with the way we maintain our publishing arrangement structures because that's what I mean about the old way. It's like we have to figure out other ways to have revenue streams besides trying to struggle and kill ourselves and, and, and just stay on tour thinking that's the only way to do it because it's not true. Yeah. I'm actually scoring um, a film right now. Wow. I'm arranging it and I've recorded one song and I think I'm going to have 13 other songs to do. It's a pretty big movie too. So I'm kind of getting into that world. But I've actually been talking to a lot of other younger band members. It's like, like there's other ways you can do to consolidate your things. Like, you know, it comes to merch. I'll give you a prime example. You don't have to like make all this merch and have all this inventory boxes at your house. You can just make a special small little order and then have it, you know, have the manufacturer make it per order. Yes. That's more efficient. Saves time, saves space, saves money. Yes. They can also customize. So it's just small little, little details of using technology to an advantage where we really didn't have that option before. Or if you're touring internationally, you're a small band and you know, you're taking your little bit of dollars and it might be strong in some countries, it might be weak in others. And I advise guys on this, you know, like, why don't you do a forward on your money? I want you to lock in your rates so you know you get your deposit at the end that the rate, the market is not fluctuating because it always does. Yeah. Could be in your favor, but most times not. Uh-huh. So you come home losing money. You don't have. Or if you streamline it and do it right, it's going to make the difference of whether you can take an extra crew guy or stay and get one more hotel room or get a bigger van. So from a financial standpoint, I think there's ways you can be more effective now than ever before because of technology. Right, right. Yeah, that's what seeing- I we're seeing that sometimes in obvious ways where maybe a tour bus was, you know, just part of the operation where now it's a sprinter van or now it's a van with the same, same band, same label, whatever. So those or, or taking it, if you're in Europe, taking trains or instead of flying. Yeah. Right. We're seeing that we're seeing those things and th- th- that seems more obvious, but you're talking about other things that sometimes aren't so obvious or things that we don't consider. Uh-huh. Whether it's whether it's like the merch or understanding those things that that yeah of course because I think we can all sit in our you know on our houses and 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 bitch about things not being the way they used to be or you can figure out the workaround we're the creatives so not why just get creative with how you work I mean this business has never been easy no we, we've been in pandemic mode since the beginning of this whole you know of music. <laughs> They, they named the economy after us, the gig economy. I mean, Jesus, we're the gig economy. You know, I mean, we 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 knew how to fluctuate and how to jump from get from job to job. That most of my friends, when the pandemic hit, didn't seem to be as concerned as, I guess, normal citizens. With oh, normal citizens, their hair was on fire, they were freaking out, and it was fine. And it might have fun, funny enough. I was at a dinner party in the island where I live in. Like you see, I'm calm about all of this. I'm like, well, hell, it's nothing new. It's like you're only as good as your last gig, and you know, we've been here before. As here another fuck. I mean, you know, it happens. Yeah. I I can't. You know, I think 
I think the sad thing about the pandemic, I did lose some friends because they got back into bad habits. So that wasn't good. And then they died and stuff. So it was sad. But um, I, I, th- I know some of my musician friends were just lazy. Like, look, sit around. You're going to, you know, and not do anything productive. You're going to deteriorate. So you, you can't wait for the gig to come back. You got to do a gig at your house like I did by myself when my kids thought I was going crazy. Or you get out and do something else that you've never done. And, you know, so I got, I went out and did something I've never done just to stay in shape. Yeah. And, uh, and have a good time. And um, so, as I said, I had, a, I had a bigger payout for me. My kids, I got my kids back. And I got my life at home back. Yeah. So that, that was a little bit different for me. But I'm thinking about the guys who were here in New York who were just working musicians and all of a sudden couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it was people eating out of garbage cans in New York, I heard. Mm. And you know what? This city has not bounced back yet. I was just outside this morning. I was kind of, it's, it's something missing here. I think that's evident in a lot of cities since the pandemic happened. Something has tainted the whole, the whole thing. Does that make sense or am I crazy? No, I think it's, I think, I think that it's definitely made a permanent mark uh, on the world writ large, you know, as far as yep. how we think, how we operate. And, uh, you know, hopefully the lessons we've learned, we're, we we won't go back to this again. But, you know, it, hey, it's possible. It's and, possible. Mm-hmm. I think the next one's going to be about water. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing that we do, which is drugs and music, it's always, always comes from a point of happiness. No matter what the freaking economy is, what the world is doing, if we get to do what we do, whether it's in front of people or not, that's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Oh, oh for sure, for sure. I have, an, I have a new love for for performing, and and, and 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 yeah, it's amazing how the pandemic has changed our relationship with music. Yeah. Yeah. It changed my whole playing. I mean, I'm, I'm playing better now than I ever have in my whole life. I don't know if it's because of my attitude or I feel, I don't know, I feel more centered. And if you feel more centered, you're sitting behind your kit. You know, it's just like, oh, I love that. <laughs> That's, I love that. I love that. It just, it just feels, I don't know, it's a joy. Well, this this kind of leads me to one other thing. This is a quote from you from uh, from an article uh, you and your brother, an uh, interview that you and your brother did a few years ago. Right. This is from you. In the biggest sense ever, I was exposed to gospel since I came out of my mother's womb. Probably heard it in the womb, too. Brian and I both started playing drums in church, and I think we try to apply that feeling of playing in church to whatever music we're playing. Jazz, punk rock, the emotions that come from that. It's just unbelievable. It brings me great joy, as I think it does for Brian. That's true. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Because I mean, you agree with that guy? I agree with that guy. I remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> also, my, my brother and I, you know, hang with my, my dad, and we do double drums. Yeah, and and there's nothing. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. And 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 I mean, one of the things that for me about that, my brother. Was like three years old or something when, when now when you met the Reverend C. O. Franklin and 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 Aretha, he was three. Oh my gosh! And for him, end up playing with Aretha Franklin at the White House with President Obama was just for me one of the biggest things. 
the biggest things that that's ever happened to me, or you know, or giving him the Chuck Career Friends record in 1977 with Steve Gadd on it doing summer songs, you know, and he goes on to play with T. Career. Yeah, yeah. Dreams come true. Yeah. But once again, it's all about, you know, every Sunday, dude, you know, I was a church drummer and when I left, he took over. Yeah. And he still plays there. When he's home off tour with Nora Jones and stuff, or when I'm home with my parents, that's the go-to gig. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you tell me about the influence of your father and, and what he had, uh, the influence he had on you as a musician and, and as a man? Well, first of all, Unbelievable thing. On Saturdays, my brother would pitch. Sorry for the eating. My brother would have the house from you know, like noon until about six. Yeah. The jazz bands and stuff, all these guys, they come on home play. Then after six, my crew came over. <laughs> Our house was packed full of people. All it was the noisiest shit you could ever imagine. Now, my band, whatever pop rock band I had, whatever. Loud, loud, loud. About midnight. Years later, I asked my dad, How and why did you let us do all of this? It's like, one, I knew where you were. Two, you were doing something constructive. Because he had some rules, you know, no smoking at my house and no drinking you know, for the kids because, you know, I had some rowdy friends. They all respected him, though, because they were terrified of him. And um, as a man and a father to allow his sons to do that, to nurture whatever they were kind of into that was positive was great. Yeah. I mean, it's not many parents would, would allow that to happen. You know, not to that level. I mean, that was like, I think back then it was like, it'd be like 20 people at my house. It's like a constant party all the time, but all around music and us hanging out. He allowed us to do that. Yeah. So that helped me from getting in trouble doing other stuff, you know, and, and things like that, because I was at home. And and as a musician, I'm, I remember I was young and, and I had a bluesy because some of the bass player couldn't make it. It was Saturday night. My dad had to pooch the next day. My dad's a bass player. Yeah. Got a, oh, he still got the same bass. 1964 Vox, Phantom 4 with the two extra frets. And my dad, I'm sorry to bother you at 8 30 on a Sunday night, a Saturday night, but um, I need a bass player. <laughs> 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 he, actually, he actually showed up, stole the show, you know. You know, so he's that kind of guy. Yeah. You know, and 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 also, you know, he does things in an odd way. He would, um, I was doing that day, Dave Matthews and Friends tour. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and I, I was hoping my parents would come out, but, you know, we we're kind of just doing a few shows in the East Coast and West Coast. Sitting catering after sound check at the Staples Center in LA. Oh, his dad calling, hey, dad, how you doing? It's like, how do I get in this place? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm at the Staples Center. What? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be right out. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I go, he's there in his suit, you know, always wears a suit, always decked to the nine. Best friend in his suit and his wife. And he actually flew out here for their anniversary to go to dinner. And he said, he, you know, we might as well go to the show, see my son. Yeah. That was, you know, so things like oddball things like that, you know, where, Shows up and then, you know, and he, that's the way he shows he's proud of his kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He don't say much, you know. He don't say good job, none of that. He just you know, comes and then he freaking leaves. Old school. 
It's just, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Now, I mean, I, I guess as a father and, and my younger son is, is a musician and, and every once in a while he'll have friends over and I'm just so excited. And I'm like, yeah. you know, and I'm trying Great to, thing. trying to stay out of the way, but I want to, I want to get things set up. I want to be like, you can use this microphone. And then, you know, his friend comes over with his snare drum and it's, it's all worn out. I take the snare drum. I said, here, I'm going to fix this. You here's a couple you can choose from one of these. The kids, you know, they're like wide eyed. They're like, "Are you kidding me? Like this sounds amazing." And I'm like, "Here, you're just, a great dad." <laughs> I, just, I just love it, but I'm trying to stay out of the way. I'm trying, you know, it's like I'm listening to the band from the other room with the door closed because I don't want to get in their way, you know. But it's and 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 you know, learning more about your dad. I mean, realize he he had his thing with his with with the church and you know his his own life and everything but you know to to nurture this curiosity in 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 two young men and and for what you both have done with your careers i'm like well that's where it starts right there i've always had a peaceful time with my brother he's always been a sweetest man like we've never had a fight in our whole life so when i when i see other brothers sisters not getting along all the way from the Gallagher brothers to, you know, whoever. It's, uh, I don't understand that. Like, you know, that's your brother. That's your sister. It's like, family's everything to, to me. Right, right, right. And now, you know, I, I, um, I, try, I try to take life a day at a time. I always think about my family every day. Mom and dad, my own family. And, and, and I'm just thankful, man. You know, it's like, thankful I have them in my life. So when I get to see them and hang out, I mean, it's a whole different ballgame. It's like, yeah! <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I can't wait to see them. I mean, I'll, I had time about sneak down to Louisiana while I'm here, but I think my wife might frown upon that. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to come home. How long is that flight, man, from from, from New York to Stockholm? Oh, it's easy. I'm, I mean, if I'm going that way, it's eight hours. Like, oh, okay. That's not terrible. It's not bad at all, but like I'm going through Lisbon, so I got a slight layover. So I'll leave at midnight Thursday and I'll be home by midday. Yeah. Friday. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, yeah, there's that, those can be a challenge, but you've, it, once you get your, uh, once you figure it out, there's, there's a way to work to, to make I it. I love flying. I get to read books or I get to sleep or I just need to relax. I, I actually, most of my friends hate flying. I love to fly. Interesting. Especially long, long flights. Watch a movie, read a book. I'm, I'm, but I'm kind of the guy, though. If, I'm, if I wake up and I'm still here, hell, it's a good day. I, I don't really complain about much. I might be broke one day. I, you know, it's money. What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, I need you to go I... make some more, wait till it comes in. Most of them, you know, like you, you're a family man. Your revenue goes to the family. No, I, I need to drink your bath water, man. I tell you what, I need to adopt some of that philosophy. Oh, I try to live without stress because it, it, it'll kill you. And if it's not a life or death situation, there's no no reason to kind of kind of be crazy about any of it. Because everything will work out. If you're competent, you can work. You'll get out of debt. Yeah, but you know, and, and I think that's you know when you kind of get the situation where you hustle for money all the time. You know, I learned this from my dad. It's like, when you stop looking for money, you have money. And it was right. You know, I tried to save it. That's another, another advice for the drummers. 
young girls looking at your show, save your money because you never know what you know when the next gig is, or you never know you might have some kind of crisis, especially in America. You know, with the medical situation, you never know. Save for a rainy day. Keep your piggy bank full. <laughs> it always happens. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Let me ask you about uh, the one last thing I want to ask you about is is producing. And this, this, uh, as far as the many plates you're spinning, uh, some of the stuff that you're doing, right? Yeah, that's good. He's got drumsticks with, with plates on them. That's going to be your next act. <laughs> <laughs> Always thinking ahead. Well, let me ask you about that. So, uh, had, was that something that you were wanting to do? Is that something that kind of, that happened organically? And, uh, and and how involved are you in, in producing these days? I know you've done some work with some New Zealand artists and things like that. I'm just very curious about that as far as another, another muscle. That is for, I love producing um, because it's gotten to a situation where no one ever knows the answer to anything. But if I get a song and it's a pretty decent written song and and talking to the artist and helping that artist accomplish a dream of like, you know what, I hear this song like this. And that's them giving you their, their baby. Like, they're having a baby. Yeah, I want you to make my baby do this. Now, no matter what, on every every record I do, I get the, the face of the artist. The face is this. Out of concern, because you're taking that baby and you're taking that baby down to them and your baby, they didn't think about or they quit the, I'm like, the thing about taking your baby down this street, it might not work out. We can always turn around and go back the other way, mm-hmm. go back to the source. But I think if we don't push the envelope a bit to see where we can go, and then I usually get their confidence. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it works out. I've had a couple of times where it didn't, but you know what? Um, I think if you don't try, that's a problem. If you just solo for, oh, this is, you know, push the envelope. So to answer your question, I've got a couple of more records coming up. I'm focusing now on arranging songs for this movie because that's always been a dream of mine to do. I've done bit parts here and there, but never a whole movie. Mm-hmm. Quite excited about that. And the beautiful thing about this one, the director is very adamant about recording like it's pre-1942. So I'm having to do ensemble playing, ensemble arrangements, no amps, you know, whatsoever. Yeah. And it's kind of um, very comforting to be able to do that, especially since I tried to talk my way out of the job and I actually farmed off one arrangement to other people. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I kind of didn't feel like I was the guy for the job. Okay. And you're the one for the job. So I went, I did the song and they're all happy about it. CAA and he's happy. You know, so maybe I got a whole new ball game that's coming up here. And that's the one thing about music you never know. Because right. I don't know, I have a very good partner who's a business manager, and we're also partners in our tech business. Uh, and our office is also a partner in Drum Chunk. So we've been partners for about 18 years on various different things. So it's nice to have that. But I, I haven't had that infrastructure. I've just done my own stuff, which has worked out fine. However, human, I can fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Can I let me ask you again because uh, uh, the the audio uh, I had a hard time understanding. You, oh. What was the thing you were call, calling it? The drum charts. Oh, drum chunk. Drum chunk. 
just registered the company. I just got the logo. I'll send it to you. C-H-U-N-K? That's it. Okay. Drum Chunks. Drum Chunk. Singular. Drum Chunk. Drum Chunk. Drum Chunk. Let's see. We're getting some merch made. I'll send that to you. Okay. I love it. Well, I mean, I I guess it... uh, kind of what I'm getting at is uh, I'm you know I'm curious about your production style I'm curious about instruments that you play other instruments maybe uh your your daw of preference uh these things inspire me to ask you because a lot of our listeners and myself and we are finding ways to be creative outside from you know away from the drum set and I think the pandemic was a start of that uh other uh, the technology is is inspiring us to do that as we build our home studios and we find ourselves maybe without songs to record. We start recording our own songs and then like, wait a minute, I, I can run this sequencer and I learned piano when I was a kid. And how can I use that and keep creating and keep forging forward and creating our things? And it's not, And you're doing that. And you've always sounds like you've always done that, but you're doing that a lot now and and figuring out how to do it with technology so i guess after that whole little spiel can you speak to any of that and and what you're using and um i use uh you know for for beginners that don't have anything they have this little thing like your phone or your ipad it's called garage band which is just basically uh, based on logic at the end of the day yeah right it works and it's basically the same principles if you apply it to Pro Tools. It's a wave file. Yeah. And they have so many other different ways to communicate with other writers, like that sound sound platform that I, I downloaded. So guy wrote like a guitar part. He'll send it to me. I'm going to add my bass part. Mm-hmm. Send it back. So because of technology and file sharing, it's unbelievable what's achievable. Even on TikTok, like playing along with somebody on TikTok, my kid taught me that. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can play along with you guys. Like, yeah, I can play along with them. The possibilities are endless for collaborations. But I think if you're home and you just singularly want to do something, there's so many ways to do it. Mm-hmm. If I come up with an idea in my head, I'm kind of not on GarageBand or something like that. I will put it in my phone, dictaphone. I'll just start singing. I look like a madman. Or if I'm, you know... I'll put a baseline in. So when I get home, I get the keyboard out. Then I'll pad it. And I'll put some drums on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so all of a sudden, like within 15 minutes, you got a groove. Yeah. Figure out where you want to go with it. And then you can structure it out. But I, I think also. I, I suck as a guitar player. I suck as a bass player, but I, I, I function enough to write. And I don't know, you don't need to know a million chords to write a song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a basic. So if I'm just sitting there on a guitar and I really do use the hell out of the capo because I can't do bar chords. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Well, you know, start, start grooving on something. All of a sudden, a melody will pop up. It's like, oh my goodness. And, you know, and Steve Earle, Actually, they break blade. You know, just play a song a day, you'll be okay. And I, I thought he's full of it, but he actually taught me how to play "Goodbye" on guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the he loves those, those uh, strange kind of rock, you know, elf or drop D strings. Mm-hmm. So 
that was influencing. And that actually influenced my guitar playing greatly because the way I write, I, I, I either play punk rock or I write like a folk artist. Mm-hmm. The funk stuff, I kind of cheat at it doing the nines. You know, but it's just like looking at, at, at people that influence me, like, like James Brown. You know, I'm trying to learn how I, I can't do all of that stuff, but I'm trying to learn. Right. And that's the thing about being a musician. You never stop learning, no matter what age you are. You can be five years old or 80. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm getting at is, is and, and one thing that you bring up, which is which is beautiful, is the use of technology and not being afraid of it and oh. not being afraid of using something like GarageBand that if, you know, if you're more versed at something more sophisticated, okay. whether it's Pro Tools or Logic, Guess what, man? It's like if 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 you have an idea and you need to get it down right away, whether it's using- use what you got. Yep. Space, you know, like the hip hop boys love using that. And they got the virtual version of that, but you know, I, I can't say it enough. Garage Band is like a great little tool to learn how to engineer or, or, or be able to do your own things. And also with the the, the latest invention of um, not latest invention, but you got all these great microphones that team up with your iPhone or your iPad, they're not really expensive. A couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you got a decent microphone. Yeah. It changes everything. I, but once again, or you first. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I was just going to say that that you know early on in this podcast, when people were just starting to kind of like build home studios, you know, regularly everyone was kind of waiting till they had enough money to get this kind of microphone or this kind of interface. And, you know, good friend, amazing drummer, Hubert Payne. Yeah. was. He's saying, I've got a couple of 57s in this, you know, eight channel interface and I've already got like six gigs on air gigs, you know? That's all you need. Everybody thinks you got to spend shitloads of money to have like great results. That is not true. Far from it. Yeah. Use what you got or use what's accessible. Right. You know, and as your budget grows, you want to spend the money on the stuff. Well, great. That's, that's up to you. But, you know, I, I keep thinking like like those old school guys, like, you know, Chuck Berry played the guitar, that same guitar. Maybe King had a Lucille. Maybe he had a couple of those, but he liked Lucille. Hell, even Dave Grohl loved the hell out of that blue guitar. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he's got a blue one and a gold one. That's the only, only two I've ever seen. You know? right. He's only got those two guitars. No backups. That guitar, that guitar. But if, could, but if we could cut through all this, yeah. at its core, you have to play. You got to play. I mean, you have to play. You have to, to be able to. I mean, like my thing now, I'm because of my new company, Drum Chunk, I'm having to take away. It's like, you know, my partner's like, you know, I want you to do some stuff on your son's Ludwig drum set at home. Okay, so that's my next task when I get home. How can I set up my camera? How can I make sure that my audio is decent that's going to give me the results that I want? And that's the fun part for me. You know, just, you know, you you, you figure things out. You, 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 you work it the best that you can. It's trial and error. Give it a go, give it a go. If it don't work, well, let's try something else. Yeah. But also... Not that I'm, I'm a cheapskate, but I don't I don't like spending a whole lot of money unnecessarily on something where I can get the same result out of an inexpensive piece of gear. Right. Because it ain't about the gear, it's about you. 
Right, right. And 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 say you have a cheap microphone. Maybe you just need to find the place in the room where that microphone speaks. Big spot, just like any other room, Mike. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're good. And then, you know, what kind of compressors are available to you that are absolutely free to use? And you can each use certain things. Like, oh, I've got magic. I think my hard part is going to be like camera placement. How will I, you know, when I'm going to mount the camera? And I got one of those. Oh, yeah. The company, well, my company. Bought myself one of these things, so um, you know, for the phone, you know, it's like a, a, a okay. Gift. Oh wow, okay. So you've got a holder here, and it's it it, it looks like and it you put your by. phone on it, and it moves. Yeah. yeah, and I can put it on a stand, and it freaking follows me around if I move. I mean, it's insane. And this thing was like I don't know, two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. But for this, then now now instead of shaky phone stuff, it looks like a movie, like a movie quality, like. That's really cool. So as you get money, get what you can. But till that time, got to use what you got. Yeah, maybe oh. you just need to have your neighbor come over and move the phone. <laughs> Daughter, your sister. Yeah, you can even like, you know, the dog's pretty still. You can tie her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. I need you to do me a favor. Stay right here. I'm going to put a treat. Don't move. Put the phone on the dog and all of a sudden. Not a dog cam. It's like a David Letterman sketch or something. <laughs> You got to use whatever you can. <laughs> yes. So you've got this uh, tour with the Indigo Girls that's coming up. I'm touring with uh, Sarah, Samantha Fish, and Jesse Dayton in Europe, March 9th until April 4th. That'd be mm-hmm. fun. Nice. And uh, and now but I got to go to the shop. I'm going to start listening to the songs actually uh, tonight after dinner. I'm going to just... Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy being settled in the hotel room. I don't like because if you walk outside that door and you go in the street, you're gonna spend fifty dollars and, and you don't buy anything. It just vanishes when you're in there. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> it's just, it's just like you know, if something opens up your wallet, lines out the way. <laughs> I hadn't bought anything, has been anyway, but it just goes away. Just gone. Or so, <laughs> I stay in this room, fifty something, and yeah, I got. I got a view of the street, kind of. Let's see here. Yeah, you know, I can see that over there. Some cars passing. Yeah, I got, I got nowhere to go. You know, yeah, it's definitely yeah. New York. I believe you. I believe you, Brady. <laughs> I believe you're in New York. <laughs> oh man, I love talking to you. What a great show you have. What a Thank great you. idea, man. Thank you so much. Thanks to Chris DeGirolamo for connecting me with you. Oh, he's the bomb. Um, he, he's been a great connection for us in this podcast and it's, and getting to know him bit by bit. And now his connection with ANF drums has just opened the door for us more. Uh, you should get my, uh, my brother on your, 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 on this. He would be, he's a great, he's, he's a much better speaker than I am. Well, that would, that would be amazing for sure. And, and, but I, I tell you, man, I was very excited when the connection was made for us to speak and, uh, I've been a fan of yours for for so long, and I uh, see we have a lot of mutual friends, and um, I, I, I just bringing this community closer and and learning from your experiences is just a joy, man. And and I'm just a real honor to meet you and and speak to you, Brady. It's an honor to meet you. You made my whole week. I'm happy, happy now. That's I amazing. took a picture. I sent my wife. Wife texted me, "What are you doing?" I sent a picture. I'm like, "Come up, you know, talking to work and drummer." Uh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made my whole week. I'm serious, and I, I appreciate you. 
Thank you, Brady. I appreciate you, man. Brady, I'm going to cut you loose so you can go spend some money on the streets of New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to go down to the lot and get some free coffee. <laughs> Working drummer. Save all your redeem. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. No, yeah, we, we we could have just shortened this interview up in two seconds right there. Just here's the advice from Brady Blade. Save your save your per diem. Um I I hope that I'm around and can see you with with the girls and uh when you come through town or whatever. It would be amazing. And uh, hopefully we can meet in person at some point too. I I, I would love that. I'll take you to dinner. It would be amazing. With the PDs that I saved. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I, know, I know some really great but cheap restaurants in town well man thank you. I appreciate you and, your, and thanks for taking time with me alright have a great rest of your day man you too alright see ya <laughs> bye bye so there you have it my conversation with Brady Blade man I really hope I get to see him this summer with the Indigo Girls I feel like with all the guests we've had on this podcast there's people I need to go out and see, whether it's Jeff Fab with the Black Label Society or the guys from Tedeschi Trucks Band or, um, gosh, just saw uh, Jim Brock with Amy Ray a couple weeks ago. So I wish there was enough time in the week to, to catch everybody. But thanks so much, Brady, for your time and uh, hope to stay in touch for sure. Stay tuned next week for Zach's interview with the legendary Joe LaBarbera. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.